Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And we are diving into the mailbag. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. And I thought this comment was interesting. It's from Elliot Love, L-U-V. says, Dennis Allen put together a coaching staff that would give him complete control. Even Pete Carmichael will probably have less control over play calling. Can someone talk about that? We did spend a good bit of this podcast, the first segment, going over the coaching hires. But I do think that's not necessarily true. He hired some people that he knew, but if you're looking to for a coaching staff that's going to kind of bow down to you and be yes men and do whatever you ask them to do without questioning it and not give advice and not give feedback and, and generally not be a part of the process and for the head coach to have complete control and, and all this I'm not hiring a bunch of guys with 20 and 30 years of coaching experience, right? Like I'm hiring the young guys. So in that sense, I don't, I don't think that's what's going on, right? I don't think that you hire guys who have been coaching football for 30 years. If your hope is that they won't challenge you on stuff you're doing. For me, the the second part of it too, I don't really necessarily think that Carmichael is going to have less control over play calling either. I would like him to. Right, I, I hear you, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Who, who's going to who's taking over as play caller for the offense? And then what is Pete doing as offensive coordinator? Well, he'd be doing the same job he was doing under Sean for his entire career. So I, I don't see that as like he he has plenty to keep him to keep him busy without calling plays on game day. If you decided to go and say, okay, Ronald Curry, call the offensive plays, you know, you I mean, who knows if Ronald Curry is better than Pete in that regard? Like. He's different in this. So like maybe that's enough, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm hoping that they do make some changes to how they operate on offense, but I don't anticipate Pete giving him play calling um, unless something crazy happens. No, that that's another thing. The biggest change on offense might be the QB, obviously. Right. This is Jason Brown. Pete Carmichael isn't Sean McVay though. That's the difference. He's kind of, ref- he's referring to kind of the comparison between Matt Stafford and Derek Carr in the sense that, Matt Stafford ended up on the Rams and they had immediate success. So they won a Super Bowl, right? It's the only example other than Tom Brady that you can find in at least the last few decades where somebody got to a new team and immediately won a Super Bowl, right? Tom did it with the Bucks. Matt did it with the the Rams. So in that sense, they are both at the top of that list yeah. of, of like, okay, what's the goal? You did it. 
You know, like if you have any goal of signing with a new team, it would be to win a Super Bowl in year one. That has to be the top goal. I don't know what you could have higher than that, but if there's something higher than that, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and so, yeah, like you'd want to be able to say maybe Derek Carr can have that type of effect on his new team. But yes, Sean McVay is kind of this offensive wizard. And I don't know if you would say that about Pete Carmichael. I don't know how you, if you would say that about kind of this head coaching regime. So it's a good point, right? Like, Part of what made Matt Stafford successful was not just being Matt Stafford. It was suddenly getting to work with Sean McVay, a guy who I would argue was handcuffed by Jared Goff for a long time. The only positive in that relationship was Jared would never question anything he wanted him to do. He would just do it. He would just, you know, he'd literally call the plays in his helmet. But yeah, I think it's a good point. Yeah, to me too, I think the the situation obviously that this was, you know, the the old Detroit when Stafford was around over there. Things were obviously different there, but he was in an organization that was just in that whole mired losing culture. Yeah, it is a good example in the sense that Matt Stafford, I think if you looked at his Lions career, you would say he's never done anything. He's never accomplished anything to make you feel like he should be a go-to guy on another franchise, right? Like, why are you suddenly deciding this now? Well, I think he proved that he's more than capable. And this was a clear instance of an organization subverting a winning caliber quarterback's success. So in that sense, I think that's if you are Derek Carr, that is a comparison you would want because you want to be able to say the same thing about yourself. Right. I know we've talked to uh, you know, a few folks that covered obviously Carr with the Raiders and uh, Hondo Carpenter was the one that mentioned that his goal, a number one, is to be back in Vegas next year, but for the Super Bowl. That's pretty, you know, pretty bold and interesting. I, 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 obviously, you love to hear that. I think everyone would say that, right? Yeah, but only Tom Brady and and Matt Stafford have yeah. actually done it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, and, and like I actually would have to go back and look at some of these old examples on this list. I don't think we ever went through them, but like guys like Randall Cunningham, Warren Moon, Vinny Testaverde, Joe Montana. Jim McMahon, Doug Williams, Jim Plunkett, Ken Stabler, Craig Morton, and Fran Tarkenton are the ones I identified who went to new teams and had success. But I do think it was so different for a lot of these guys, with the exception of maybe Randall Cunningham. That's kind of unfair because it was 1997. Like, cutting it off at 2000 feels kind of arbitrary to, like, was the league that much different in 2000 to what it was in 97 compared to what it is now? I don't know. But that's the list of the old guys. Do you remember Randall Cunningham? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely, as a kid growing up, as an Eagles fan, was, you know, my, my favorite quarterback. And I was definitely devastated when they moved on from him kind of thing. And seeing him su- have success, though, with the Vikings, there, there was just something about, you talk about escapability about it with a quarterback, and he was really kind of like a, a almost like superhero powers where he had that flexibility and ability to stay balanced and on his feet was just amazing with a with an arm that was was pretty incredible. I'm I'm very happy though with where the uh actually, you know, the organization obviously is now with Jalen Hurts. Just unfortunate. I don't know if we're going to ever see that kid in the Super Bowl again kind of thing. Yeah, it, it is kind of funny. It's like you look at it, it's kind of like, you know, when the Thunder got to the finals with Durant and Westbrook and Harden and Ibaka you, and you were like you thought, right. You're like, "Oh, the first of many." And then they never got back again. Um, and so, like, that's where Jalen Hurts is right now. Like, this team, you're like, oh, man, they're going to be there every year. But that's just not how pro sports works. Like, things turn over and 
and circumstances change. And so hopefully they can get back because I think he played well enough to win that Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's why I missed the last podcast. I was still in mourning, and I, I as good as he did play though, Jeff. How Jeff can fumbled. you just how can you drop that ball? Yeah, Kadarius Tony is the it won that game for the Chiefs. And like we're gonna talk about Pat Mahomes, he's gonna be the hero. <laughs> Everyone's gonna interview Travis Kelsey. Kadarius Tony changed that game with that kick return. Unbelievable, like, right? Like you talk about teams and why they might prioritize a returner. Well, it's like that game changed the Super Bowl. Like it was back and forth. And then all of a sudden the Chiefs score, get the ball back at the four. The Philly, the Philly defense that was so talked about and vaunted too did absolutely nothing. But but that's also the like the Philly defense wasn't on the field <laughs> for that kick return, right? You, no, you were no. able to you were able to damage that team without the defense ever getting on the field. And like that. Kadarius Tony pickup is like mind-bogglingly good for them. It's the second time in recent years that the Giants had drafted a first a guy in the first round, and then he was not on the team within like two years and ended up on the Chiefs. The other one was DeAndre Baker, who got arrested for like robbing somebody, and then the case got dropped, but he had already been released from the Giants, and the Chiefs signed him. He wasn't good there either. He was a bust, but it's just kind of funny that that's like the Chiefs go-to. Um, speaking of of decisions. H-Town Creole says Saints need a complete rebuild. Anything else is a delusion. This team is old with little talent and a high cap. I would like to see this team. Re like, honestly, I wish they had rebuilt two years ago, but that's just not how this team operates. Like they're going to keep going for it. So you kind of have to live with it. And that's where I think the frustration creeps in. If I'm, if I'm thinking of it from a fan perspective of like, what's the goal here? You know, like you talk about how Derek Carr's goal was to get back to the Super Bowl. It doesn't feel like this team is operating necessarily with the Super Bowl, with the goal of winning a Super Bowl. It feels like this team is operating with the goal of winning a bad NFC South. And that's what's frustrating to me is like, I get it. You don't want to be a losing franchise, but at the same time, the mediocrity is almost worse than being a, a bottom scraping franchise because then at least you get a chance at a Joe Burrow or you know a Justin Herbert or a Deshaun Watson or a Pat Mahomes or whatever you name it Josh Allen keeps going like being in the middle in that awkward QB hell stage where you just like bring in the Jake Plumbers of the world just to annoy that, that, that I can't remember who it was that got mad at me that's that's where you get frustrated so I understand where you're coming from but I also just don't expect this team to ever go that route um, unless it happens naturally. And, and there's no, even if you pick that quarterback early, obviously there's still no guarantees. There's, there's been plenty of swings and misses we all know about. I just, there's gotta be some kind of plan, obviously though, in place at quarterback, you can't just be left stranded and deserted. Like right now, there was just never kind of, there was never, there's never been a QB developmental program, I guess you could say from a draft perspective from this team. Nope. And here's a good kind of comment on that. Jason Brown again, he says, I feel like DA wants to win like that. 01 Ravens team, just get a QB that does just enough to win and then let the defense dominate. I agree. But at the same time, if that was the case, then you would have just gone with Taysom Hill in the first place. Like they are clearly trying to find someone who is a little more with a little more upside than a Taysom Hill. But like, I, I think it is interesting because I think there is an argument to be made that you would have been more successful last season if you did just go with the simple kind of veer offense 
and just ran the ball down people's throats and then tried to defend leads. Um, but they didn't. I, they they I, wanted a more explosive quarterback. So, yeah. I'd say one big problem, though, with trying to cram the ball down folks' throats, though, was the offensive line, you know, getting banged up. And that, that didn't help, obviously. Well, yeah, but, like, that was a decision you could have you would have made early on. Prior like, to, right. I'm just yeah. saying in the sense that they chose not to go that route. Like, from the beginning, they didn't even – give Taysom a shot like it was at the draft combine last year that DA was like yeah we're gonna work him in more as a tight end so it was like never he was never in consideration to be the quarterback and that was interesting to me because I thought that when you look at the most success DA had was in that week 15 game beating the Bucks nine to nothing right like if Taysom was the starting quarterback in week two you could have won that game the same way right like it was the same exact game. Shoot, you might have had a be- you had a definitely a better chance that week three game too in Carolina. Yeah, I'm just saying like the way you won that week 15 game against the Bucks nine to nothing. The game in week two at the Superdome was the yeah. exact same game. The right. difference is you threw you threw pick six and like, you 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 tried to get aggressive because you weren't defending a lead. Anyway. No, th- there was a lot of things we sw- Jeff. There were so many questions with this offense that. Why are they doing this? And then it's like, okay, then I see the plan here. They're going this way. And then if it worked in one game, it seemed the plan changed in the next. I I really was confused with the usage of Taysom this season, even though he, he if you look at the stats and the numbers, he did obviously get plenty of touches because he 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 was the one guy, the guy getting them to the end zone for this team, but there was just nothing else. The funny thing is he threw the ball more than I was expecting, which is kind of <laughs> He it's definitely kind of didn't catch the ball more than I thought he was going to. Here's Dustin156, who's not a Taysom fan. He says Taysom is a fumble machine. And, you know, this is actually an interesting question because Taysom Hill had a very crazy fumble-prone season. But beyond that, he's actually been very protective of the football. But, like, he had, like, 12 fumbles in the 2020 season. And it was wild. I'm trying to find it. I just remember this this season when Mark Ingram fumbled early on. I thought it was uncharacteristic, I said, of him, and everyone jumped down my throat saying, oh, he's coughed up the ball a bunch in the past, and I just had not remembered it like that. No, he, he has not, right. So he had 10 fumbles, not Taysom? fumbles lost, just fumbles total, in the 2020 season. He's never had more than two in any other year, <laughs> which is like – but like he was crazy fumble prone in that one season, which is kind of strange. Like, how does that happen? I, it was also the season that he got his most extended run as a starting quarterback. So that's part of it too. But it wasn't just that he was fumbling all the time, regardless of whether he was starting. It was just a weird season for him. Um, but I don't think that like he is necessarily fumble prone, like in general, like he didn't fumble at any key points this year. I think the two fumbles here were, were bad snaps. Like, one of them was against the Falcons. If you remember, he got fourth and one under center, and he fumbled. Like that was one of the fumbles. So, just an example. I would not characterize Taysom as as a fumbler, but except for that one year where he did nothing but fumble. So, like, I understand why it's a critique. You said how many were there again? Ten. And how many were lost though? I'm not sure. I'd have to. Okay. Uh, it's it's tough. But still, yeah, to putting the ball on the ground ten times is a lot. Obviously, yeah. He he put the ball on the ground constantly that <laughs> year, which is just kind of strange because he that it actually hasn't been something he's done a lot of. And you would think this year with that early rib injury, it could be an issue, but it wasn't. Well, he did. Yeah, he was dealing with a rib. Yeah. 
Here's the total truth. Todd Shaw says, hopefully the Saints don't let Denver cotton them out of Hill. Peyton is a foe, not a friend. Don't get it twisted. Personally, I'd like to see the Saints get fields. It would work. Can't be scary. I don't know about the, what the last part means. I think he's saying can't be scared. If Denver showed up and offered like a fourth round pick, Taysom Hill would be gone so fast. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I agree. Like if, if they, if the Saints found a way to turn Taysom Hill into a legitimate asset, knowing that he's Sean Payton's guy, he's in Denver. And I, I, I love think- Taysom Hill, but like, you'd be crazy to not just say, you know what, Sean, have your guy. It's the same reason I'm not mad at Zach Street for leaving. Like, oh, he's a Sean Payton guy. He can go hang out with Sean Payton. Yeah, and, and it's a, one of those things too. It's like I, I think a lot of po- folks are they, they don't know what to. Uh, uh, Kaysom Hay, you know, Tilt Hill is actually 32 years old. He's really not that young. No, right. I well, feel like folks yeah, think he's like a 27, 28 year old. Yeah, it's the BYU thing where you come into the league late. But yeah, he's not a young guy. And while like yeah, like he was a very effective part of the offense last season, he's not your future at quarterback. And so if you can turn him into a you can turn a UDFA who you're still trying to figure out how to use into a fourth round pick. I'm taking it. No. Plus obviously we know, you know, trying to free up as much cash space as you can. And yeah, I, I think that a fourth round pick, I, I would actually jump at that for compensation for Taysom. Here's more Taysom is Kermit the frog here. Uh, all Bro. I'm saying is we not winning a chip with the current roster. So why sign car or anything to some stupid contract? when we can start Taysom and tank for the future and fix the defense and coach. Well, for one, because the head coach who's here right now is has no interest in getting himself fired to appease the fans. So he's not going to do that. But I do think that, you know, at a certain point, the contract that you're having to dump on Derek Carr doesn't make sense. And you will be forced to consider a cheaper alternative and, Taysom is one of those. I don't think he would be the alternative if you went down that road, but he's on the roster. So if you did decide it, you could do it. I don't think it's likely. Actually, was setting stuff up for sports talk with the news above Alvin Kamara's indictment in Las Vegas for, for that whole fiasco. Is Wait, what happened? Alvin Kamara got indicted along with did four he? other. Yeah. Like just now? Breaking news here on Inside Black and Gold. So yeah, we're just sorry. I was buried in my phone looking to get a guest for the other show. Yes. All right. So yeah, that's gonna be something. I'll have to get on that shortly. But all right. Right. Got a couple more here. Randy Savage still wants them to sign Drew Brees as the QB's coach. He's not. So one thing that we know about Drew Brees is he's not interested in coaching because he told us. Whatever the macho man wants, we must listen to Randy Savage. You think that's the real Andy Savage? (laughs) No, he's dead. Allegedly. Um, there's Kermit again, tasting better than Tebow. Well, yeah, that's probably true. Absolutely. I, I mean, the, the, there were still parts of Taysom that we're still seeing a quarterback because obviously he's, he's productive. There was just nothing with Tebow. Although it'd be, you know what? I would love to see, like, if see, to see what Sean Payton kind of con- could have concocted with Tebow in his prime kind of thing. Tebow, there's a reason they didn't bring him back as the quarterback. No, I know. If he had agreed to be a tight end, he would have, he would be he would have been Taysom, right? Right. If he could have if he if he could have been the original quote unquote Swiss Army knife. Total truth, Todd Shaw. So this is we can close on this uh, because I think it's a good it's a good point. 
says every free agent quarterback isn't worth 30 million plus just because the market says so don't do it how many super bowls we've been to that would be the only way to spend that kind of money the core is young you know i would argue that the every quarterback on the market is worth what the market says they are and money isn't real gold is a rock that we pulled out of the ground and <laughs> as long as you feel like that quarterback can win you games you're going to pay him whatever it takes the most important position on the field and you don't get cheap when it comes to the quarterback position that said i agree not every free agent on the market like i'm not dropping a bag on geno smith it's nothing against geno smith but if anyone's going to drop a bag on geno smith and it's not the team that he's already playing for i think that should tell you something about whether it's worth dropping a bag on geno smith but uh, yeah i mean there's only four quarterbacks that are technically free agents who are going to be in the range of 30 plus million. It's Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Lamar Jackson. Everyone below that, I think, and that includes Jimmy Garoppolo and Jameis, I think they're going to get in the range of 20, 25. Yeah, when you go through that, obviously the clear name that doesn't belong in all that to me was Lamar Jackson, who's clear and you know, head and shoulders above everyone, everyone else mentioned in that pack. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. No question. I'm just I'm just saying like he's that's the list of the $30 million quarterback. It's just amazing though that everybody else kind of gets lumped along with that for the price of a starting quarterback in the NFL nowadays. I mean, it's just absurd. Yeah, I agree with that. Dustin, we can I, I lied. We'll close on this. Dustin156. What do y'all think about Taylor Heineke? I think he's not that good. I think he's okay. I think he's average. I think, I think he's good in like a, I think he's good in like a backup Andy Dalton kind of role, like right. in, in case of emergency break glass. Right. Case Keenum. Right. Like, I, I think that's who he is. And and there's nothing. I mean, you need that. I'm, I'm not trying to talk down about the guy, but that's just that's who he is. And if he can have a case, a career like Case Keenum, that's probably a win for him. But yeah, he's not he's not a guy I would consider bringing in as a starter. D definitely not. That's uh, that's definitely someone, though, that you have on for QB depth. I, I don't see that as. I wouldn't turn my nose up to that at all either, just because he's still a relatively young guy too that has experience in the game, obviously. Right. Like you you see teams that have to go to their backup quarterbacks, right? Like look at the 49ers this year, <laughs> right? Like like you, teams need that valuable backup quarterback who your starter goes down and you still feel like you can go win a game. I put him in that range. Like when I say he's a backup, I don't mean like he's a, he's a useless quarterback, but yeah. – like, look at Gardner Minshew for the Eagles, right? Like, he's a high-value backup as well. I don't know if I'd want him as a starter, but if if I need to throw someone in at halftime and have a chance to win, he's not a bad option. So that's kind of where I put Taylor Heineke, too. And, I mean, he's had his chances. It's not like he hasn't had chances to, to, to win that job, but they're going to go with Sam Howell next year. So, you know, I think that, like, when the team kind of moves on from you, I think that's pretty telling. And then when you're moving on from the team like Derek Carr is. The better question is now, we're, what's the next landing spot for Carson Wentz? Hopefully not New Orleans. <laughs> I don't know how many more landing spots there are left for this exactly, guy. Exactly, like, right. I mean, how many teams are going to trick themselves into thinking that he's uh, going to be that we, the, the Nick Foles Super Bowl winning Carson Wentz? Yeah, we, we can snap him out of his head case and restore him to his once MVP caliber glory before yeah. his injury. And yeah, he's just never been the same dude. <laughs> not how it works in real no. life. But all right, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here. I said I wanted to keep it close to an hour. Instead, we got to 90 minutes, so it's going to be a tight squeeze to try to get this edited. But hey, this is that's the game we play. Anything, any parting thoughts, Steve, before we get out of here? 
I hope you catch a shoe tonight. Shoes. Let's get some shoes. All right, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't, hit the like button, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that. Leave a rating, leave a review. Don't leave a one-star review unless you tell me why. And if you tell me why, I'm going to complain about it. Remember that. Love you guys. Keep helping us grow, man. Bye.